Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode, Adriel. I am. Before we begin, we just want to direct everyone's attention to the description. We've put some vetted links to help aid the humanitarian crisis that's currently happening in Ukraine at the moment. We, like I'm sure all of you, are just hoping for peace and safety for all of those innocent people that are currently being impacted by this. And if you are at all capable, donating is, I think, the best thing that we can all do at the moment. Absolutely. Should we just start out with a spoiler alert? Because we have not spoken one word to each other about the Euphoria finale, and I feel like I'm going to combust. Yeah, we absolutely have to. Okay, we will get into the other news in a few moments, but just a brief little discussion on that. So if you have not yet seen Euphoria season two finale, take this moment to fast forward. (laughs) Okay, now that they're gone. Julie, can I be honest with you? I was not that into it. I can't decide if, first of all, I, I it's not that I wasn't into it. I felt a little disappointed. I can't decide if I was disappointed by the episode as a whole or if I'm doing this thing where I'm hyper fixating on the fact that the last couple of minutes didn't make sense to me because you had that moment with Lexi and Rue that was supposed to happen after the play and then it was in the play. And I'm so focused on the fact that that didn't make sense to me that I'm letting it affect the entire rest of the episode. Oh, see, that's interesting because I too was a little bit confused by that, but that was honestly the least of all of the things that made this finale not my favorite. Like, To me, yes. Am I heartbroken about Ash? Absolutely. We can talk about that in a second. That broke me, but maybe I kind of get it in the scheme of things. I just felt like for a show that has so much going on, and one of the reasons we're so drawn in is because of the depth of all the individual plot lines, there was a lot more tying up that could have gone on in this finale, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. We went in with so many questions. And instead of answering any of them, I think we actually left with more. 
And I think we also went into this finale knowing, okay, this is it for another two years. 2024 is the next time we will see a new episode of the show on our screen. So it's one thing when you leave a finale with a lot of questions and it's kind of like a Grey's Anatomy cliffhanger situation, but you know you're going to be back in a couple of months. It's like, we have a million and one questions. And now on top of that, you're going to make us wait two years to get them answered again. Right. And also I understand that not everything was going to be solved in this one episode. I just felt like the focus could have been on different parts. For example, and maybe I'm alone here. I don't necessarily think that that final scene between Nate and Cal really added much. What did we really get from that? I think it was this important moment, obviously, because not only did Nate get to say his piece and have this emotional confession in terms of what it was like for him to see those tapes at such a young age, but also the fact that he spent his entire life, you know, as he said, trying to protect his dad and instead of loving him for it, he hated him for it. That was a really important moment. But I also felt like with that moment, we could have had a question answered, aka throw in the answer or throw in some sort of a hint to where the third brother is. It almost feels like that was a detail that we're all fixating on because it does feel like a very big deal, but it feels like the show and Sam Levinson forgot about that detail. And now we're just like waiting for an answer that's never going to come. I think for me, I didn't even need a hint necessarily or any sort of an answer. I just would have loved an acknowledgement. And I think that that's where my frustration, and frustration is the wrong word. I'm really not frustrated. (laughs) Like I love the show. I'll take anything that they give me. But if I had to choose maybe the parts of the finale that I'm not totally thrilled with, I would have just loved a little bit more acknowledgement as to some of these loopholes. Like I was never expecting we were going to get any more about Minka Kelly's character because realistically we were all kind of fixating on that and it wasn't anything major necessarily. I just would have loved some little acknowledgements of those types of side plots. Yeah, that's how I felt as well. I mean, listen, again, it's not that it was a bad episode. Like that scene with Fez and Ashtray was absolutely heartbreaking. Like that was an amazing heart-wrenching scene. And I'm as upset as I am by the outcome of it. I'm happy that we got that in the finale. It felt like a big finale moment. But at the same time, I think the rest of the episodes have kind of been so good where each week feels like it's better than the last. So everything was kind of building to this moment. And to me, it just felt like Aside from the Fez and Ash scene, it was just another regular episode. I'm also upset about the fact that we have to wait another two years for this to come back. I know. I know. I agree with you. I'm conflicted because yes, of course, the intensity of the sadness and the emotions that we felt during that Fez and Ashtray scene is definitely symbolic of something that we'd see in a finale. But God, was that heart-wrenching. God, was that the absolute last outcome I would have ever wanted. Lexi dedicating the play to Fez, that moment broke me. But she doesn't even know about what happened. But the fact that she did that, I was like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not strong enough for this episode. I know. And on top of that, you could feel almost the palpable frustration that Fez was having towards Ashtray. And it really just stemmed from the fact that these are two brothers that love each other so much and are really willing to die for one another. But Ash just didn't have the foresight to understand what he was really getting himself into. Oh, what an unfortunate scene. Like that really, that was a lot to watch. I agree. Like that was a finale, finale scene. Also, Dominic Fike is so fucking talented. Like I've listened to Dom before and I don't think I really realized the extent of it. With that being said, a little long, a little long for a talent show. 
That's how I felt. I loved every moment of it. If this was another episode, I would have been thrilled. I just felt like these are valuable moments. Every second counts here. Every second we're going to find out what's happening to Fez, what's potentially happening to Cal, what's the deal with Maddie and Cassie. And Elliot, I like you as much as the next guy. I I can't have a full performance at the moment. By the way, right before the episode started, I was listening to Three Nights by Dominic Fike. I love the guy. I just don't need that happening in this episode, even though I saw on Twitter, it's really split because a lot of people think that it was the most moving part of the episode. And they're not wrong. It was very moving and very impactful. It just didn't further along the storyline. And I felt like I was fucking fiending for answers. I feel like there are three types of people that watch Euphoria. And it's like person one, the person who can appreciate the Elliot scene because the emotions are the strongest part of the whole thing. And that's what they really get out of it. They care less about the plot and more about the way that the show makes them feel and those little artistic decisions. That's person one. Person two, they like the episodes where they're at the parties and where they're the fun scenes. And then when it gets really deep, that's when they kind of check out because that's not what they're in for. Again, totally understandable. And then there's the third kind of watcher, which I think most people fall into the category of, which is like, okay, we appreciate every artistic decision that's made. We totally understand why they're doing it. At the same time, we are here primarily for the plot. So let's let's stay on course. Which is so not typically me. I normally would categorize myself as someone who kind of appreciates almost a surface level viewing experience. It's just this particular show, there's so much happening that I'm not going to say I become like a detective. I think there are some people on TikTok that really take it to another extent, but perhaps because of some of the the discourse that I consume, yeah, I I, want to know what what happens. I can't help it. Well, you're different because I don't think you ever typically watch TV where you would have to dig a little bit deeper. The only show that I can think of where I would say to you, like, oh, that was a deeper show that you've watched is Big Little Lies or mm-hmm. maybe The Undoing. And you were equally as obsessed, but it was such a limited series in the sense of like, you knew that was the only episodes you were getting. And therefore, they did give us the answers and you binge watch those, I think, except for The Undoing. And therefore, you were getting your answers within an hour, not within a week or two years. Well, the two years thing just really ups the ante. I just hate that that's what TV has become. It's like I almost can't be mad because I think the quality of TV and what they've given us recently with the introduction of shows on streaming sites is so elevated and so elite. But at the same time, the way we grew up is like you would get 24 episodes in a season and then you would wait six months and you would get 24 episodes more. Now we're at a place where we're getting eight episodes and then two years later we get eight more. I'm sorry. I didn't sign up for that. And we're thanking them for it. We are literally like sitting ducks. Like, you know what? Bring back cable television. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I was very confused by was when Rue in her narration says, I stayed clean for the rest of the school year. Like, what exactly does that mean? And then also going back to the conversation of filling in the loopholes is like, that whole Lori plotline didn't just arise for no reason unless it was to scare Rue shitless and to kind of scare the rest of us. I, I want to know the follow-up there. So my two answers to what you just said is, I assume that the reason that Rue said I stayed sober for the rest of the year isn't necessarily that she then relapsed. I think it's just to set us up for the time jump that the next season's going to come back with. In terms of Lori and like the, the whole possible human trafficking thing. I kind of saw it as just like that was her absolute rock bottom. And therefore she knew she had to get sober because she hit that. And that was like the scariest possible situation she could have ever been put in, like scarier than death or really made her realize her own mortality. I 
personally know that so many people are like, does she not owe Lori money anymore? Like what's going to happen? Was she trafficked? I'm okay with that plot line never being brought back up because I hated it so much that if somebody says to me, yeah, no, it was just to show her rock bottom and we'll never have to deal with it again. I would be totally fine with that. No, listen, I would be totally fine with it as well. The reason that I feel skeptical is because think about when Mouse was killed. We forgot about it for a little bit, kind of. And now all of a sudden, Ash is dead. So I guess I just don't trust the fact that something as big of a deal as that would then just be put to rest so seamlessly. Again, I hope that's the case. I just don't know if I see it. Yeah, that's true. Because when he was killed, I was like, what a weird moment to kill somebody and then have it never get brought back up again. And then it was just a major plot point. I was like, oh, I could have done with that. Like, I would have been fine if they just hid the body really well. I know. <sighs> Fuck. I cannot believe we have to wait two years. Also, we didn't even talk about Cassie on the stage. Oh my God. You, the best character is their mom by far. She is a fucking queen. I love her. She's incredible. The best tweet that I saw last night, which everyone else may already be aware of, I knew she looked familiar. I just couldn't place it, is that she is Elle's best friend in Legally Blonde. Yes. I think that's what I'm having a really hard time with in all of this ending is the camaraderie of the internet after euphoria. Like I saw somebody had made a TikTok maybe, and it was like, I'm going to miss our little book club so much. Like we all just like watched on our own time and then came together and it was all everybody talks about. And we had our little community and our little jokes and we had so much fun and everyone was like, like I'm going to miss that so deeply. I might miss that aspect of it more than the actual show, I think. I know. And that's why in terms of coping with that absence, I think that I need to really just binge Love is Blind season two because I feel like I know everything that happened from social media, but I want to be able to be involved in the dialogue, even though I know that as the days go on, it's withering away. See, that doesn't do it for me. I need, for example, when we watched The Undoing and all we could talk about was Nicole Kidman's coats and we were all in it together trying to guess what happened. So much camaraderie. Like, for me, there's not as much camaraderie in the reality TV element of things. I don't know why. I feel like I've never gotten that out of it, which is maybe with the exception of Kardashians, obviously, but it's so much more layered than that. I feel like maybe that's why I was never overly into Housewives because for me, the camaraderie of reality t television is not the same as the camaraderie of watching a TV show together. Completely. And listen, there is a lot of camaraderie to be had in reality television. It's the reason that Bravo is able to be as successful as it is because people get so invested and just want to talk about it. I mean, it's the reason we're able to have a whole Bravo podcast because after something happens, everyone wants to just gather together and kind of discuss it as a group. But obviously the core difference is that those people are real people. And so your opinions about them are ever-changing. They're formed by what they do on social media. They're formed by what else you see. And it's just a completely different connection. Whereas this, it's like we all together enter into a fantasy world and we have permission to just really care about something that doesn't exist. And there's something really fun about that. That's coming from me who very infrequently gets themselves involved in this type of rallying behind a show. Right. As I said it, I think that I realized that I, I'm not even 100% sure if I mean that because I think actually it's the other way around in the sense of I didn't get into Housewives because there was already so much camaraderie that I wasn't a part of and then it felt kind of too late. So I'm actually rethinking that whole sentence. But at the same time, I do agree with the element of it. Like you have more permission to delve into something that technically isn't real. And also like a show like Euphoria comes along once in a lifetime in terms of 
the way that we watch it. Not every single show allows you to have that much of a connection to other people watching it. Like this is a rarity. And I think that's the thing about it that I'm going to miss is because I know that within the course of two years, a bunch of other really great TV shows are going to pop up. I don't feel confident in the fact that any of them are going to affect us and cause this much bonding in the way that Euphoria has. Yes. And on top of all of that, in terms of the actors in the show, you're of course watching their character progression, but at the same time, they are so relevant and so of the moment that you're really watching them actively make their stamp on Hollywood. And that feels really cool as well, because it's like you're just watching their stardom rise. That's a really good point. And I think that is a huge element of it is because, for example, if by the time this next season comes out, both Maude and Zendaya on top of the other cast members add a couple of Emmys, add an Oscar maybe, like I won't be surprised because that's the talent that I feel like we've unearthed by watching this. But also something that I think is really fascinating, especially as people who analyze pop culture in the way that we do is watching this next generation of stars rise. I mean, we've kind of been talking about this, I think, with artists recently, like Lil Nas X, Olivia Rodrigo. Like we're really seeing these people come into their own and go from just starting out to being these major celebrities. And being in a little bit of an older generation, we have our celebrities that we view as being massive of our time. But there's also a younger generation that's going to view these new stars as being that for them. I think that is one of the most exciting parts of the show is just this new talent in Hollywood really taking it by storm. Yeah, I mean, how cool that we get to watch the Euphoria finale and a few days before we see Hunter Schaefer closing the Prada show in Milan. That's really cool. That is incredibly of the moment and it's just exciting and I'm so happy the show exists and I, I'm really sad but also happy it happened. I can't wait to see what every single character does in this two-year span. I know. Oh my God. Forget about it. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. 
So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. In terms of the SAG Awards, the way that I would like to do this is just to go back and forth and each say our top two best dressed popcorn style. How do you feel about that? I feel great about it. Would you like to begin? Yeah, I'm going to say Lady Gaga. And I know I'm stealing that from you and I know it's what you were looking forward to saying, but it has to be said first. You know me well. I can't even be mad. I mean, I think Lady Gaga in that Armani was absolute perfection, 10 out of 10. I was a little bit surprised she wasn't wearing Gucci, just given the circumstance, but wow, exceptional. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that is funny. The thing about Lady Gaga fashion-wise is that she always rises to the occasion and I can always appreciate what she's wearing as an art form or I can appreciate it for its avant-garde nature. But a lot of the times it's not something that I find to be relatively practical, which is fine. It's not what she's going for. So this was something that was not only show-stopping, but also like, you know what? I could wear that. And this is something that you and I have spoken about I think with every single red carpet where we say there are so many looks where we can appreciate the beauty. But when we say our top picks of the night, it's usually because it's things we could see ourselves wearing. And I think that's exactly why this new era of Gaga is really speaking, not only to both of us, but I think to a lot of people, because I think it's a natural inclination for a lot of people to do that. And so obviously we can appreciate the way Lady Gaga started her career and these insane red carpet looks that she used to have that really made her have her place in Hollywood. But I think that probably since the star is born happened, we've seen Lady Gaga really just showcase her beauty and these outfits that we can look at and say, not only do you look beautiful and so special, but that's actually something that I would wear. Right. Like for example, I will never forget the meat dress at the VMAs. I understand that was an important moment in her fashion evolution. But to me, the impact she had from wearing that Brandon Maxwell number at the Met Gala, which was actually relatively more reserved outfit-wise. It was so much more about her performance. That's it to me. Or this Armani number, that's it to me. I would take this any day of the week. I think that I always appreciate a Lady Gaga outfit when I don't have to stress out about having to defend her to my parents or grandparents. Like when (laughs) they can look at Lady Gaga and be like, wow, what a great outfit. I'm like, what a beautiful sigh of relief. (laughs) Other than Gaga, I would say my number one was Kate Blanchett, also in Armani. Beautiful. Carrie Washington killed it for me last night. Yeah, and that yellow, forget about it. She's stunning. Beyond so. Okay, let me just go through the list here quickly that we have. Haley Steinfeld in Miu Miu, Vanessa Hutchins in Versace, Selena Gomez, Oscar De La Renta, Cynthia Erivo, Louis Vuitton. I agree with that list. 
I thought Selena looked incredible. Did you see? I think her heel broke that she had tripped on the red carpet. And then when she went up to present, she was barefoot. I couldn't tell if her heel broke or if when she was walking the red carpet and she had that little stumble, she just realized these shoes are not at all comfortable, completely not walkable. And I'm not willing to risk that when I present, which if that was the case, I also would completely understand that logic. Oh, completely. I watched the SAG Awards, not in its entirety because it obviously interfered with Euphoria last night and my loyalty 100% lied there, but I was watching some clips this morning and a little bit to, you know, so we could talk about it on the show. I have to tell you, I think the best way to consume an award show is just in little pieces. It's like watching SNL on all the clips the next day. It's like, okay, you get what you want and that's it. I think it is such a beautiful experience. I could not agree with you more. And also, it just makes it so much more digestible. I feel like I just got all of the best parts. Like, I got to watch Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga reunite. I got all of the red carpet looks. I got to see any celebrity interaction, Lady Gaga and Nicole Kidman, their little cute moment. Like, everything that I watched was so enjoyable. I was like, why would I sit down and subject myself to anything that I don't want to see? Squid Game winning was such a great moment. Like, just the little clips, and that's all you need. And I'll say with the exception of the 2021 Grammys, because I remember that was the first award show in a while where after we turned to each other and we were like, you know what? We just enjoyed every single second of that. That was a great one with Beyonce surprising Meg Thee Stallion. What a beautiful moment. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the award show conversation is actually one that I never get sick of having, even though I don't find it to be productive because we always end up in the same spot and the same kind of general agreement about what award shows have become. I'll always find them special to me because to have that much star power in a room is something that I will never, ever get sick of. And that's kind of the way I think I've chosen to view these events going forward, which is just when we talk about Hollywood as a whole and we make that comparison to it being like a high school and award shows are the lunchroom. To me, there's no better way to enjoy it. Everyone's at their table. Everyone's interacting. You see celebrities that you're not used to interacting. You get those little clips and those gem photos. If you can look at it like that and just take it for what it is, it makes it so much better. If you go in with the expectation of award shows aren't what they used to be and they don't carry the same amount of weight and it's just not as fun, you're going to be disappointed every time. But if you focus on the things about award shows that have not changed, the star power, the fashion, the moments of winning that people don't expect, a Cinderella story of somebody you never expected to be on that stage, like that's the stuff that I don't care how sick of award shows or how much they change, that stuff will never get old. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautifully said, my thoughts exactly. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning... There's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. 
People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their best seller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blank and I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality and their sheets are made with the finest hundred percent organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I want to talk a little bit about this video of the weekend and Simi Kadra. Is that something you're interested in? I can't even explain to you how interested in it I am actually. For something so minor, I feel like we both are so beyond fascinated. But can I tell you why before you start? Because to me, it's not minor. This is one of those stories that seems minor and is incredibly, incredibly layered. Okay, so let's get into it for anybody that was confused. The weekend was celebrating his 32nd birthday in Vegas last weekend. <laughs> A lot of weekends for a sentence. And there was a video that went viral of him kissing Simi Kadra. For anybody who doesn't know who that is, the name sounds a little bit familiar. She is the sister of Phi Kadra, obviously close friend to the Kardashians, and also one half of the duo Simi Hayes, which is her and her twin sister, Hayes Kadra. And obviously, all three of them, both Simi Hayes and Phi, are very kind of celebrity adjacent. They run in that quote, young Hollywood circle. So they're friends with the Kardashians. They're friends with the Hadids. And as we know, Bella Hadid in The weekend dated for a very long time. So when this video first came out, people were really curious. One, are Bella and Simi still friends? If so, is Bella maybe fine with this because she's in a new serious relationship? Or did they have a falling out? Are they no longer friends? Was this something Bella was aware of? You know, just a lot of questions going down the list. And then While this confusion is mounting, Selena Gomez posts a photo with both Simeon Hayes and captions it since 2013 with a heart. So that was additionally confusing because as we know, Selena also dated The weekend. although it seems as though they both moved on, you know, there's nothing happening there. It was just a lot of moving parts that people were confused by. And before I get your response, I want to say, typically this wouldn't be something that I would maybe be as invested in because I think a lot of it is petty. Like, you're allowed to hook up with maybe your friend's ex if everybody's moved on and we're all adults here. It just feels like this particular situation was different because of the level of intensity that Bella and The weekend's relationship had. The reason I love this story is because I think this was everyone's first time finding out that Simi and Hayes are two different people. (laughs) Well, that too. Then on top of that, you have this video that was released, I believe, via TikTok. So you have that element of it, of like a video leak, which is always a great Hollywood story. And then on top of all of this, you have Selena posting the picture with them and saying since 2013, which was, in my opinion, so amazingly unprompted, like such a perfect addition to this whole thing. 
Well, the thing is, I feel like you and I typically are really hypersensitive to the internet as a whole, making a really big deal out of something that's seemingly minor. So for example, we try to not pay too much attention to the follows or the unfollows because it seems kind of petty. So if Selena was constantly posting with them, I don't even think we would have thought anything of it. It just would have been maybe a bizarre coincidence timing-wise. But she really hasn't posted with them, number one. And second of all, I think Selena uses Instagram in a really unique way because she's spoken about how it can quickly become toxic for her. So she doesn't even really like to be logged into it on her own phone. My perception of it was that this was intentional and her posting it was basically to say, just before any narratives start to get spun, I have no hard feelings here because I have nothing towards the weekend anymore. That's what I thought too. It was very obviously intentional. It just wasn't negative intentional. That's how I felt. I would have been absolutely shocked or I will be absolutely shocked if it comes out that that was meant with any sort of shade. The reason the story is so fascinating to me is because I don't have any emotional investment in it. Like a lot of times when you're a fan of a celebrity or you're really invested in a celebrity couple and a friend hooks up with one as a fan, you can kind of spiral. And to me, that's not what's happening here. Like we're kind of just taking the story at face value what it is. We are literally going back to the conversation we just had about Hollywood being a high school. And so to me, that's exactly what's happening here. And especially when something happens like this, where as pop culture fans, we can analyze it as being this niche corner of pop culture. Simeon Hayes are people that people know, but they're not mega stars. And so to be able to have the understanding of every element at play here, which is who the weekend dated, who's friends with who, who was at this birthday party, like that is all the stuff I think as pop culture fans that we live for to be able to connect the dots and the pieces and understand every element of what's happening. That's our drug. And I think that's why, even though this is such a minor nothing story, it is so fun to look at. It's so fun to look at. Exactly. There's a lot of moving parts. And also, I just want to say, I saw some speculation that Selena's post was kind of like a fuck you to Bella. I did not view it like that at all because Bella's not the loser in this situation. No one is. She's in a very happy relationship. Her and The weekend didn't work out for a reason. So it's not as though like Selena is cheering on this woman that's taking Bella's man. I mean, that's just a completely unnecessary plot that in my mind isn't existing at all. But I do agree with you. It was intentional, but positively intentional. Right. Which is how I typically view Selena in everything she does. I think she's very intentional with the things she does, but I think that 99.9% of the time it's positive. Mm -hmm. Completely. Also something I would love to get a pulse check on, not just from you, but also from all of you guys. Where are we standing on the rumors about Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet rekindling? Because obviously they announced their divorce earlier this year. I think it kind of came as a shock to all of us. And now there's some stories from a couple of different news sources, not like the TMZs or the e-newses of the world, but you know Hollywood life, you're seeing it here and there that they're working on rekindling. Are we letting ourselves believe that? Because obviously I know that's what <laughs> would be the ideal scenario, but do you think it's legit? I don't know. I mean, I know it's typically unlike me to say, yes, I'm letting myself believe it because this actually is a couple where I think that if I let myself get my hopes up and then it wasn't true, I would be a little bit disappointed. But I I think I do believe it. I'm just going to say, I don't not believe it. I think it is very possible. Also, I was just looking at, and by just looking at, I mean, constantly refreshing all day, waiting for a comment of the post that Lenny put up of, Channing Tatum saying, seeing our Zozo in Batman. And I absolutely died at the hour Zozo. I thought you were going to say that Zoe commented because I also have been refreshing waiting for her to comment on that. 
I don't know if I was necessarily expecting a Zoe comment. She's been a little quiet in the comment section lately, but I was definitely expecting Lenny and I'm still holding out on that because I think we'll get it. I always look and I see if somebody shares it to their story. And if they had and not commented, I move on from the idea of that. So I know Channing shared to a story. I'm not waiting on a comment there, but Lenny, I'm still holding out hope for. Channing Tatum pulls that shit constantly. And it's like, I'm not disagreeing with your share to the story, but can't you do both? They're not mutually exclusive. You know how I feel. I can't even get into it. It upsets me. The good news though, is that Lenny Kravitz operates with zero urgency when it comes to comments. Like it will be three days later and he'll leave one. So don't, don't feel like it's a lost cause. No, it's not a lost cause, but I would like a little urgency sometimes. Yeah, I know. But sometimes the best people have the least urgency. Think about Martha Stewart. It could be a week later and she'll leave us fucking gold. <laughs> You're so right. Martha Stewart is the best commenter by far, by the way. No. If we ever get asked that again, remind me, the answer is Martha Stewart every single time. And the reason is because she doesn't even know it. She does not know how funny she is. No, Martha Stewart goes rogue every single time. Like her current state comment-wise is rogue. And to me, coming from a world where so many of the celebrities of her magnitude of fame are so deeply curated in a way that just feels inauthentic, it is such a breath of fresh air. I could write, I'm not kidding, if I was back in college, I could write a thesis on the way that Martha Stewart uses Instagram. And keep in mind, there's Martha Stewart and then there's Martha Stewart 48. And all the good shit goes down on Martha Stewart 48 and you better not forget it. I would literally never forget it. And second of all, I think the best thing that I would like you to include in your thesis is the fact that when Martha Stewart tags a celebrity in a post, oftentimes she'll also tag a random fan account. And it's like, for what reason? Thank you. But why? Well, first of all, she just wants to make people's day, you know? And you know what? Consistently she makes mine. So I will give her that every single time. (laughs) You and me both. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. 
Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. I know there's a lot going on with Kim and Kanye in terms of the legalities of the divorce, and there's been a lot of back and forth. Does the decision that we made before we started recording still work for you, which is we're going to wait to discuss that until the bonus show because this stuff is happening kind of constantly and we'd rather wait till whatever is breaking up until Wednesday to be able to do that and just kind of focus now on Kim and Pete and Scott? Yeah. So the good stuff. Yes. Yeah. The good stuff. The Kim and Kanye stuff is really upsetting, which we'll get into more in the Kardashian bonus show. Also, I just wanted to mention, because we got an inbox about this, I completely 1 million percent understand people that only listen to this episode or the Bravo episode but aren't really into the bonus show because you're not so into the old episode recaps and you're going to start listening back when we're recapping the Hulu show. Completely get it. But for people that were asking us about Pete on Instagram, we spent probably the first 10 or 15 minutes of last week's Kardashian bonus show on that. So if you're interested but you don't want to listen to the rest, just go back and listen to the first, I guess, like 12 or so minutes because I sometimes forget to tell people that and then I they never listen in general. Great addition. Great caveat. (laughs) Thanks. So Kim and Pete were seen having breakfast at the Beverly Hills Hotel on Saturday morning. In case anyone didn't see the video, we'll put the link in the description. But it was interesting because ahead of this week's SNL, a headline came out saying that he is missing SNL this week due to filming for his new movie, The Home. Keep in mind, The Home, we now found out, is the reason that he joined Instagram in the first place to promote it. Of course, he's no longer on Instagram. So to be clear, I fully believe that. I know that he is filming and I definitely think that's why he wasn't at SNL and it wasn't because of Kanye. But just from strictly a PR strategy, there was a part of me that thought maybe even if he was with Kim, he'd be sure not to be seen on the day of SNL as not to fuel like more rumors or more speculation that it had anything to do with Kanye. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's where my head went. It's interesting that you went to Kanye because I definitely wasn't thinking Kanye in terms of SNL. I was just thinking strictly about Pete's ongoing back and forth with his relationship with SNL and whether or not he plans on continuing and how every single season starts off. And it's like, is Pete going to come back? Yeah, I guess he'll come back. Like, I never even thought about a Kanye element of it. Oh, mine was 100% Kanye focused. because Only because the SNL stuff, like you said, it's been ongoing. The only really new piece of information here or the new kind of catalyst to all of this is Kanye. So I just, I don't know. That's where my mind went. I don't know if that's even an accurate thought process. I'm just saying that's that's how I was thinking about it. No, I understand how you got there because it's the most current thing. I think something with SNL though is this understanding or theory maybe is a better word among SNL fans that Pete kind of feels above it and therefore he picks and chooses what he's going to be a part of and he gets a lot more leniency than other cast members would. So I think that's why they were really making sure that it was known that he was missing it because he was filming for a movie obligation rather than taking a trip and not being part of an SNL episode that he maybe didn't feel it was necessary to be a part of. Although it was very interesting for him not to be there because John Mulaney's episode seems like something that would be a very, very big deal to Pete. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. It's all so stupid, but <laughs> the thought crossed my mind and I'm just glad it crossed yours as well on some level, even for different reasons. Also, I'm sure you guys saw these photos. If not, we'll put the link in the description. Scott was out at none other than Nobu Malibu with Holly Scarfone, who was on the most recent season of Too Hot to Handle. I did not watch, so I know nothing about her, but all of the headlines call her a quote, Kylie lookalike, which I kind of think is a total cop-out. She's not a Kylie lookalike. She just looks like a girl living in Los Angeles that has had plastic surgery, potentially similar to that of Kylie Jenner's. I think if you live in LA and you've had any work done, you're either going to get categorized as a Kim lookalike or a Kylie lookalike just by the nature of the job. So it's almost unfair to Scott that he has to, no matter what, date a Kim or Kylie lookalike. Right, exactly. That just happens to be his type. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing really to say here other than a few days before these photos, Not Skinny But Not Fat, which is an account that we follow, had posted seeing Scott liking some of Holly's photos. So the liking thirst traps to Nobu Malibu pipeline seems to be stronger than ever. Do you think that Scott has to even call for a reservation anymore or he just gets a standing Saturday night date night table at Nobu? No, I think he 100% has a standing. Or or if not a standing, you know, I just think like any other restaurant, there's a certain amount reserved. You know how it works. No, of course there's a certain amount reserved or if you're a celebrity, you can just get a table whenever you want. I don't even think with Scott that that's what I'm referring to, that he can just have a table whenever he wants it. I literally mean, do you think Nobu is just expecting that it is Saturday night and therefore Scott will have a date? So just leave the table even if we don't hear from him. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, probably. He's nothing if not predictable. Nothing if not predictable. That is incredibly true. I get it. That fucking lobster tempura, you know, fuck me up. That's, That's worthy of the traffic to Malibu. No question. If I could have that Saturday night reservation every single night, I I would no question. I can't even blame him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anything else you'd like to mention? No, but what an episode, no? Julie, honest to God, could not tell you one thing that just took place. Truly. Me either, but I know I had fun. Of course I had fun. I had the best time. I mean, the real reason that I had fun is because since you are back in Connecticut for the evening. I had no stress. Honestly, that's what it was. Just so you guys know, every single time Julie and I go to record because we have not been in studio for over two years now, Julie's in her apartment typically. And there's just so much noise that we probably, I would say we end up waiting, what, two and a half hours a week if you add in all the time of how much we have to stop. This was one of the most enjoyable recording experiences that I've had in a very long time. And I know that you get frustrated by it, And I'm not typically one that ever says, imagine how I feel, but it is literally, I think also the issue I have is that I need silence in order to concentrate. So even if the mic doesn't pick it up, I'm so distracted by the street noise and to be able to sit in the suburbs is a gift. I am so grateful to be sitting in my childhood turquoise blue bedroom right now. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. I love you. And we will see you later this week for Bravo and Kardashians. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. 
And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.